if someone asked me what a dad is supposed to do for your life as like a girl what like I wouldn't know like what does it actually mean to have a dad I don't know and it was like you know there's all this emphasis on boys and dads and boys with dads in jail especially which I think you know I completely understand and I think it's valid but I was like what does it mean for a girl because if you're not a daddy's girl what are you Hi everyone, my name is Inherit George Carey and you're listening to Daddy Issues, a podcast dedicated to confronting fatherlessness, but more specifically, fatherlessness and successful people. I want this podcast to prove that regardless of whatever daddy issues you may possess, you can achieve anything you put your mind to. Fatherlessness affects so very many of us and so it's time to start listening to each other's stories and opening up this topic as one that needs to be recognised, heard and confronted. In today's episode, I am talking to Simran Randawa. Simran is a model and journalist. As the ex-assistant politics editor at Gal Dem, Simran's current work mainly explores the intersection between her Indian heritage and Western upbringing. She simultaneously uses different mediums to encourage discussions around identity and representation. A leading voice in the contemporary British-Asian dialogue, Simran has been featured in the likes of Vogue and ID, as well as working with brands such as Nike and Estee Lauder. Simran, welcome to Daddy Issues and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so I actually want to say about the way that we initially met. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was my only, as of yet, DM. Really? And I, I slid right on, in. You slid right in. <laughs> You've got a DM. And I was like, what? What's that? You just said... I want to be on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> she looks amazing. So I just immediately gave you my email and then you emailed me. And what I found so funny is in the email you said, I'm so sorry that my message was so vague. It was. Because <laughs> I was like, wait, was like, <laughs> that was not vague. <laughs> she didn't like, you didn't know anything about me. I was just like, I'm going to like go out on a limb and be like, I want to be on your podcast. You <laughs> yeah, should, you're, you're now obliged to have me on. I like know. how fucking entitled. I love this girl already because she's so bold, yeah. not vague. <laughs> yeah. To be fair. Yeah. I was like, I want it. I got it. Yeah. Like, and now so I'm here. Good. And now you're here. Shoot your shot, guys. <laughs> I know that you grew up in different parts of your life with and without your dad. Mm -hmm. So before we get there, do you want to just take us back to where you grew up and your family dynamic and everything like that? Um, yeah, so I my mum's from Malaysia. My dad's like from India, but like his parents moved over to first Liverpool and then London, like at different points of his life, but still when he was like relatively young. Um, and... Yeah, my parents essentially like had an arranged marriage and met through like fat various family members like put them in touch. They met once as far as I'm aware and then um like wrote each other letters and stuff like while my dad was in London and my mum was in Malaysia and got married I think 9 or 10 months later. Yeah. Um so it was like a very fast turnaround and then my mum moved over to London um after getting married and yeah like worked and two years later had my sister and then a year after having my sister had me and is it just you and your sister um it's me and my sister and then I have a younger brother who's 12 
uh-huh. yeah. from the same mum and dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. And um, yeah, and then just growing up, it was like me, my mum, my sister, because like my brother wasn't in the picture at the time. Yeah. It was me, my mum, my sister, and then like because my dad was away. Um, then it was my grandma, my granddad, my uncle. And then, like, as my uncle got after my uncle got married, it was like it was basically just a big extended, extended family, family under one roof. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> got, oh, so you were all living under one roof? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, all together. It was. Oh, where was it, that in? London? It was Wembley. Yeah. Wembley. Like, okay, wait. Let me not. It was in. Yeah, it was in London. <laughs> let me not put out my location. <laughs> yeah, no. What's your postcode? <laughs> yeah, it was in London. <laughs> With your parents writing letters to each other, yeah. was it their way of? getting to know each other before they actually had to then get married yeah yeah essentially like as far as my understanding of it is yeah I think that was like how they get kept in touch got to know one another I'm not sure if like how regular the letters were yeah like how reliable it was how many letters they actually said what was said I have no idea um but all I know is that in that kind of intermittent period between meeting and actually getting engaged, they wrote letters to each other. Is that quite normal in like an arranged marriage setting? No, I think maybe in like my mom's day and age. Right, it right, was. right. Yeah. Maybe, and especially maybe because like cross-continental, yeah, it was pre like... Mobiles. Yeah, pre like yeah. FaceTime, pre Instagram, pre all of that. It was yeah. very like what seems to me quite an ancient way of getting to know someone. Oh God, so ancient. <laughs> um, so I think for like their time, maybe it was normal, but yeah. like now that doesn't really happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, it means that like my mum actually had like a very limited amount of information to work with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now take us to, you mentioned that your dad was away. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by saying that he was away? Um, so my dad my dad was in jail for like I think probably the first I can't really remember him being around when I was young Mm -hmm. like I don't really have any early memories of him being in the house anyway yeah um so pretty much for like I'd say the first 12 years of my life my dad was in jail right yeah um I remember like going to visit him and stuff but I don't have any memories of him in like a domestic setting yeah or like in a public setting Mm -hmm. yeah it I just, how do I describe it? It was just kind of like, okay, that's where he is. Yeah, it was just like a fact. Yeah, yeah. It was like just part of my Almost way normality. Just yeah, normality. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what did you, so when friends mm-hmm. at school, because mm-hmm. um, it's not hugely abnormal not to have your dad around. Yeah. But I guess it's more like, you know, if your dad's in jail, I can imagine it's like, oh my God, your dad's in jail. Yeah. Or I don't know. What yeah. was that like at school? And what, did you have like a story about it? Or did you... How, what was your sort of reaction to it when people would say, where's your dad? I think for me, it was like this. I don't want to say I lived a double life because I don't really think that that's necessarily true. But it was just something that I never spoke about. Yeah. Like nobody asked. And so I never spoke about it. It wasn't yeah. like information that I'd willingly go openly disclose to people. Yeah. Um, and like for a long, long time, like very long time, like that I'm talking into my teenage years it wasn't something that I even told like a lot of my closest friends like um and even when I did it was literally like a handful of people that I told not even maybe not even a handful like two three people um and it was just something that I never spoke about because I think for me there was so much like shame wrapped up in it because I was like my dad's in jail like what does that say about me what will people make assumptions about me and I think because just in like the playground and stuff, people always were used to me going home, like my mum picking me up, my grandma picking me up or going home with like my friends, mums and stuff like that. It was just never like 
a conversation that really ever like now looking back on it maybe there might have been instances but I can't remember it and I find it kind of weird that that was never a conversation that I had with people Mm. but I think it was maybe just something that people just blindly accepted or maybe being young like you don't it doesn't really occur to you or something like that and um yeah it was just weird because for such a long time I just didn't really talk about him but then when I'd go home you know it would be like oh it would be a conversation it'd be like oh we're gonna go visit your dad on Saturday or, or like your dad's calling at like six thirty or something like that mm. so it was like I only ever spoke around it I spoke about it around people who already knew right and those people were your family yeah and with with the shame mm-hmm. where do you think you got that shame from I think that I think it was more just like a self-imposed shame and I think it was also I think maybe my family like now looking back on it I think it was something that my family didn't ever really want to discuss like my family weren't open about it so why should I be open about it Mm -hmm. you know like it was I think that's where it came from yeah it's kind of just a reaction to your environment and then I think sorry and then I think just like on like a social level as well like generally jails and people who go to jail and like there's just so much stigma and taboo around it it was something it wasn't something that I wanted to associate with myself because then I was scared of how people would view me Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't want to be seen as like a deviant or like just have any negative I didn't want to be defined by that I wanted to be defined by like me being who I am Mm -hmm. and I thought that that was a big definite like that would be a potential big definition of my character even though like it's out of my hands yeah 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 and with your sister did she cope in this in a similar way to you I think yeah I think we both had like very similar kind of attitudes towards it where we didn't really I think if anything she might have been like a little bit more open about it with her closest friends um Mm -hmm. I think she like spoke about it a bit more but I I think it was just if we needed to talk about it we would talk to each other yeah like because we were the only ones who understood it as well Mm -hmm. Um, because like my mom was going through her own issues and like relationship with it with my dad with being like technically a single mom Mm -hmm. and like my grandparents having like a a son in jail and like it was just me and my sister Mm -hmm. um so yeah we just kind of like relied on each other yeah and with your dad what was your relationship like with your dad I think like to me it's really weird but like to me it just seemed like routine Mm -hmm. like I wouldn't say that it was normal because I, I was aware that like other my like peers and my classmates and stuff like had present dads Mm. so I I would say I did I knew that it wasn't normal but I didn't think that it was wrong or it was abnormal to me it was routine like waking up on a Sunday at like sorry a Saturday at like eight in the morning to my mom like making sandwiches and everyone like packing up the car and driving across the country to like wherever he was that month yeah to visit him like to me that was normal I and like I'd enjoy the car rides and stuff like that. Mm. And then getting there and, you know, going through all whatever processes you have to go through to get in. Like, I was just used to it. Yeah. And like, in hindsight, I don't <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's something that a child should be used to. And yeah. like, I realised this recently, but it was just, 
it was it wasn't abnormal to me because it had been routine for as long as I could remember like I said I don't have any domestic memories of him when I was younger Mm. and so all of my memories were of him in this setting Mm. and so it was just routine it was normal it was what I knew I knew what to expect from the process I knew how I even like down to I knew how once we got in there like once we were in the visiting center how it would pay out like I'd say hi to my dad and then like my grandparents my mom would give me money and me and my sister would go buy snacks and drinks for everyone while they had like serious grown-up chat um if anything, like it, that. It, if anything, it sounds like it was almost like it was quite, fu- it was like an outing. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Yeah. it was like a day out with my family in the car. Mm. And like I knew that, you know, we'd have like a cute picnic in the car and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. Maybe, nice yeah, like sandwich. I think I just had the, yeah, I just had that kind of like childhood <laughs> ignorance around it. Mm. Yeah. But it was your normal. Yeah, it was. It because was. even if, as you say, you know, you, what you know what is that word normal because mm-hmm. actually what normal really is is what's normal to you yeah and so yeah. we can't not to go too, too deep and philosophical but you know <laughs> impose other normal standards yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's about the individual's normal mm-hmm. I think yeah and yeah. so it wasn't abnormal to you it was normal it was yeah it was normal it was and to routine. everyone in their and, circumstances mm-hmm. then and normal. I knew it would happen like month on month mm. so yeah yeah how did you feel towards your dad? I think, oh, this is like, I don't know. Mm. Like, to me, my dad was, I knew I would visit him and I knew he was my dad. Like, you yeah. know, he'd pull me on his lap. He'd ask me about school. He'd ask me about whatever. Like, he'd comment on my trainers and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I knew he was my dad and speaking to him, like... <sighs> It's really, really difficult to articulate because I knew he was my dad, but I wouldn't say that I had like an overwhelming, strong bond with him. Like a lot of our relationship, like you said, was very like fragmented. It was through phone calls, like visits every now and then and stuff like that. And for me, the trip, like when, for example, when we always used to get in the car, it would be like, I know that seeing my dad is the end goal, but for me, it would be like enjoying the trip kind of thing. Mm. Um... And I think I didn't really feel that distance between my dad because I had such a big extended family. Like, I will say that to this day, my grandmother and my mom like, did an amazing job of making sure that I never felt that. Like, I was always around cousins or uncles. I was at my auntie's house or this auntie's house. Like, I had so many cousins and we all grew up together. And I had so many aunties and I had so many, like, my gr- so many grand aunts as well. Mm. Just always, I was always around family. Mm-hmm. And so I think for, like, a lot, for a big part of my life, actually, I just never thought that not having a dad impacted me. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. see it as a thing. I yeah. just thought it was like... You didn't feel I've, a missing piece. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. I didn't. Yeah. That's also, again, because it's still normal, I think. Yeah, yeah. And especially as children, I think um, you're so adaptable. Yeah. And actually, this kind of stuff actually, I mean, I believe, kind of hits you later on in life. Ooh, tell me about it. And that's where we're going to go. I was going to say, once we hit that bit, damn. Yeah. <laughs> it, starts, it starts looking a lot less rosy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's where it all comes crashing down. But so going on, actually, so 
your dad came out of jail mm-hmm. when you were 12 years 12, old. Yeah. So tell me about that. So I had just started secondary school, I remember. And he came out of jail and it was it was weird. Like, I remember thinking that and I remember feeling that. And I remember being like, this is so weird. Like, I remember seeing my mom being happy. And I remember being like, oh, it's nice to see mom happy. Mm. Because this is another thing. When I was a kid, we'd go to, like, family events and family weddings and stuff. And I'd always, um, aunties would always say to me, like, oh, make sure you look after your mom. Like, you know, look after your mom. And, okay. and I remember, I just remember, like, being young and thinking, like, why I'm the kid like why like I just I was like what 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 am I supposed to do in this situation I remember thinking it like how do I how what does that mean I remember like just I really remember thinking like why should I do that I'm the kid and so when my dad came out I remember thinking like oh okay at least I don't have that worry anymore like Mm -hmm. and it was now thinking about it like damn I was 12 years old Mm. like yeah and you were already worried about that yeah Yeah. and um so I remember seeing my mum happy I remember thinking it was very weird I remember like his physical presence in the house especially in like in the initial stages just felt very alien to me because I was used to running around with my sister and stuff like that and I remember like feeling like there was like you know this another presence that I kind of had to answer to but it was like it wasn't a bad thing, you know, I feel, especially, I remember thinking this at the time as well, again, that my dad tried to compensate with, like, material possessions a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think he was trying to make up for lost time. So he was, like, taking me and my sister shopping and buying us trainers, buying us clothes, like, yeah. taking His us out. Showing for, love. Yeah, 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 which, like, you know, I get and I'm not attacking him for it at all. I just remember, like, noticing that at the time. Mm. And then, like, you know, as time went on, like, you know, we just became used to it and it, I got used to having my dad around and you know him cooking and taking us to like restaurants and spots that he knew and stuff like that just kind of like building that relationship so he really he went he came back and he really got stuck in yeah in a way or not yeah yeah like he definitely tried to I think yeah he just tried to like make up for lost time yeah which I get um and it was weird at first and then I kind of like got used to it and um but I definitely felt, I think the thing that sticks out for me is like there was a shift because my grandmother was like the head of the household at the time. And then I remember like feeling like I had to answer to a guy, like a man. I don't know how to describe it, yeah. but it was like it suddenly, changed. suddenly I had like rules and, um, and I get, I guess also I understand because it was part of, you know, growing up, becoming a teenager. I couldn't run around like I did when I was eight years old, but I just remember then suddenly feeling like there were rules and regulations what do you mean by that like just kind of stuff like and again it's weird it's hard to describe because at the same time my dad wasn't controlling he wouldn't be like you know he never told me how to dress or what to study or who to be friends with or any of that Mm. um but I just remember thinking like I didn't have that same sense of freedom that I did even though they gave me so much freedom yeah I still felt like I had to answer to someone yeah I don't know how to do yeah it's just interesting that you say that because I've just had in past episodes guests say when I've asked like what they think the difference between maybe a mother and a father is often even though the mother is very much a disciplinarian yeah um but the father has that kind of disciplinarian presence yeah and that seems to be his kind of not his soul sorry his kind of not sole purpose but the man holds that Mm. in a really in a really strong way and I definitely felt that yeah Yeah. so I'm just trying to like get even though it was never something that he explicitly 
articulated or made me feel or could, yeah. like you know it was, was never it more like about boys and bringing boys because like he, he probably I came think it just was, at that time. <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely boys definitely like just makeup and yeah even going out and stuff like that and um, what you just but felt- then as I got older but then it was I don't know like I think maybe part of it is being a teenager because I know that as I got older like once I hit 17 yeah they just let me do whatever I want do you think it was also more just having two people rather than one person to answer to or were you more intimidated by your father's presence than your mother's and definitely so, yeah but like I said my mom was always the one who was more harsh on me like my dad was never harsh on me my mom was the one who was always more harsh on me but I was always more aware of my dad's presence interesting and even though like you saying two people thing like to me I always had two people yeah, but it was just my yeah. mom and my grandma yeah it and I think it shifted from being my grandma to my dad it was like women man, yeah man. yeah yeah and also do you think there was an element of wanting to please your dad more definitely, so than your mom definitely I think um especially oh we're going into my issues now (laughs) I think (laughs) like damn um basically growing up I definitely felt like my mom and my sister were closer than Mm -hmm. like I was with my mom and Mm -hmm. I think like when my dad came into the picture because my young brother wasn't around Mm -hmm. yet I felt like I had something I could like kind of compensate with and I could Mm -hmm. be closer to my dad and I definitely like do think that me and him were close uh and I did want to, ple- and I just, I feel like me and him were more alike. Like mm-hmm. we had the same kind of interests, like, like literally trainers and right. stuff like that. And yeah. um, I, I think when my dad came into the picture, I kind of felt more like I am, his, I, I could be his daughter. Like I see how I'm his daughter. Yeah. Kind of like sense. I see the characteristics in myself and I wanted to relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it then went into you know pleasing your father and therefore also pleasing a man that might have gone into your relationships with men as well I think initially definitely I think um I think especially with my first relationship I think that I aged uh, how old was I 19 19 yeah. um I definitely craved validation from a man and I think I definitely like went out of my way to try to please them and try to appease to him and I it just basically led me to staying into in a situation that I really should not have stayed in for like a long time like it was very very unhealthy like very abusive yeah but I think that just because of my wanting to have validation and I think also just feel like love Oh, from someone yeah. like from a man yeah like it it definitely like made me realize that I had like this hole that needed to be filled yeah and I thought that it could be filled by a romantic relationship yeah even though it was like the worst thing I should have I could have done <laughs> what was your relationship like with your dad then because that was what 12 can't do maths five, five six years. years later five years later that void that you're talking about mm-hmm. had your father not filled it I think I still felt felt like something was missing, but I didn't know what. Yeah. And I thought that maybe that would be filled by romantic relationships. Yeah. And it craving, makes... like, attention elsewhere. Yeah. To me, it makes total sense in a way, because it just, for 12 years of your life, you had this, as we were saying earlier, fragmented relationship with someone that you're supposed to call dad. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, there's a relationship there, but it's not... It's, it's You're young and yeah. it's, it's kind of disconnected. And then... 
this essential stranger then comes into you, live in your house mm. and you go from naught or say 10% to 100% and having to actually digest that, yeah. I think, is your your brain, your everything, your emotions, your physical like presence with him. I mean, I think everything must have been just, just a flipped. lot. Yeah, it flipped. And so how, so it just for me at least, that I don't know how to articulate it, but it makes total sense that yeah. that then came, like you still felt, even though he was there, there was something missing. Yeah, there was definitely. And again, I just didn't, I think because I was still young, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to articulate it. I didn't know how to work through it. I didn't know. I just thought that maybe it would be filled by a romantic relationship. Yep. So basically my dad was in jail until I was 12 and then he was around for pretty much like 10 years, like a good long time. Mm. Uh, and then he went away again. By away you mean he went back to prison? He went back to jail. Yeah. Um, two, two and a half years ago now. Mm -hmm. Two and a half years ago maybe. And is he still yeah. there? Yeah. I see. Do you visit him now? What's I've your... visited him once. Right. Yeah, and I think that that one time that I visited him really put into perspective that I should not have been there as a child. Like, I think it really shifted the way I viewed it as a child. As a child, like I said, it was very rosy. It was very like, this is like, well, my family in a car with sandwiches. And mm. then when I got there as an adult and seeing like the checks you go through and like the security and how yeah. vigorous it is and the searching and the process and the paperwork the and yeah like how much goes through goes through the post process before you you're even sat in front of him mm. like there's so much that goes on and that just really made me f I I just remember standing there like getting searched and putting my phone in the locker and just kind of being like this is crazy that I'm doing this again. Yeah. Like, this Did is crazy. Did loads of memories come back? That it just, it just, I wouldn't say memories came back. It just really ref reframed everything. Yeah. And I was like, I really shouldn't be doing this. And I shouldn't have done this when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, it's not a pleasant process. Like, yeah. it was nice to see my dad at the end. Yeah. Like, at the end of all of that. Yeah. It was nice, but it, some, I don't know how, something, it just didn't resonate with me. And what was your conversation like? Was it just... Because obviously it must have changed a lot since yeah. you were a child because at yeah. this point you had 10 years with him. Yeah. So was it, I guess, what's your... What's my relationship with him now? Yeah. I think to me, this is the hardest thing that I've had to grapple with. Mm. And I think still something that I'm really trying to understand and unpick because in the time that he's gone away, my career has changed so much. My mm. life has changed so much. I'm doing things that I genuinely only dreamt of, yeah. like going, working with brands I dreamt of. And how do I explain that to someone who's not here to see it? Mm -hmm. My mum is around. She sees it. She sees even just, I don't know, the PR packages I get sent in a week. You yeah. know, my mum sees it and she's just like, oh my God, like that's crazy. And, you can't explain that to someone who doesn't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also someone who's also disconnected from the whole, the whole world. world. Yeah. yeah. And and explaining my career to someone over like a phone call maybe a couple of times a week is really, I just find that really difficult because I don't think that you can understand the full depth of what I've managed to achieve for myself mm -hmm. regardless. Um, and so my relationship with my dad right now is just, I just find it really weird because I feel like I talk to him about maybe family stuff mm -hmm. and like he'll ask about 
certain things in my life, but I can't really get into details. Yeah. Like, for example, last year I was at the Fashion Awards and I think from before before it happened, I was like saying to him, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like this Fashion Awards. I'm like finding my dress, this, that, this, that. And he was just kind of like, OK. And I don't really think that he fully understood it. Yeah. And then uh, just so happened Meghan Markle was there and mm-hmm. then it was on the news. Yeah. Um, and so, so, so he saw it on the news and he was like, oh, you were at that thing. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah. but you- he must have been like, what? Yeah. Yeah. It was it's just I don't know. It was just this. It's really hard to describe my life to him. And I think I really yeah. struggle with that. Yeah. And going to that, um, that life change. Mm-hmm. So that happened two and a half years ago, yeah. two years ago. Yeah. What happened? It was just like things just started taking off. Like I was getting more work. And you getting, get signed, spotted, Yeah, no, like so I have been modelling on and off since I was 17. Uh-huh. But then when I was 22, I think I just like, you know, the rise of Instagram and like I mm. just became like a little bit more prolific. And then especially over like the last year, like I'm now with Storm and working on campaigns. And yeah, just I'm again, this is what we we're talking about earlier. I'm really underselling myself. But I just started doing <laughs> so much more and I just kind of really... Yeah. But why, where did that right, come from? Right. Where did that drive come from? I think one, the thing that for a long time drove me was financial independence. Mm-hmm. And I think, because I remember being younger and like, you know, my my mom never explicitly ever said no to me or like my dad even like never said no to me. But I remember feeling like I couldn't ask for things. Yeah. Like I, and I never really knew why. And I think it was just because I was like, aware of our situation and I thought that like even just by asking for something I didn't want to add to any kind of like difficulty that could be in the home yeah like financial or not so I never I feel like I never really asked for things Mm -hmm. and so I think that as I got older um like my friends just my friends have like this joke like oh someone in her Prada bags and stuff like that (laughs) and it's like I think for me, for a long time, the drive was financial independence. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, my career taking off and stuff just kind of enabled that. And mm-hmm. I never I never really wanted to feel like I had to ask for anyone for anything again. And yeah. anything that I needed, I got myself. Everything that I have now, I got myself. No one gave me a leg up. I think that that, like, fierce independence is something that I definitely get because of, like, everything that's happened with my dad. Yeah. And feeling like I like only can really rely on myself and I think that's translated not only it started off as financial independence because I started working really young Mm -hmm. not just modeling but then like I got a job in Ikea and like I saw myself through uni I paid my own rent I paid for all of my expenses my travel everything like I didn't ask my parents for any money during Mm -hmm. uni um and then the kind of financial independence then as I've kind of got older sidetracked into like emotional independence and career independence and I just kind of feeling like I have to have a hold on everything and I have to be in charge of all of these different aspects of my life and like it's not healthy (laughs) but it makes sense because also maybe there was a time in your life that you felt so out of control yeah definitely like I just I think that for me the easiest way to cope is when I have control and like I kind of always joke that I have like this really anxious energy and I have this like overwhelmed energy all the time. But mm. I think it's just because like it's me trying to keep checks on everything in my life and make yeah. sure that everything is manageable. Because I think growing up, this is like a really weird thing because growing up, like I said earlier, growing up, I never 
thought that not having a dad impacted me. I just kind of always grew up and was like, oh, it's fine. Like, da 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 da. It's not that deep. I like, I'm living life. I've turned out fine. And then, as like last year, I went through like this period of crisis where I was like, it really hit me like out of nowhere. And I'd be on the train and just kind of looking at girls with their dads and I just feel this deep sadness it's really sad but I just felt this deep sadness in me and but then at the same time I'd be there sitting there thinking like if someone asked me what a dad is supposed to do for your life as like a girl what like I wouldn't know like what does it actually mean Mm. to have a dad I don't know Mm. and it was like you know there's all this emphasis on boys and dads and boys with dads in jail especially which I think you know I completely understand and I think it's valid but I was like what does it mean for a girl Mm because if you're not a daddy's girl what are you you know because there's so much discourse on girls being like um girls being daddy's girls and if you're not a daddy's girl what are you yeah and I think that kind of like the not having a dad thing um really hit me and just the kind of like not knowing of what it's supposed to do for you really like that's what I felt the not knowing yeah and it was I went it was only until like I went on holiday with my boyfriend's family and I saw his younger sister and his dad interacting Mm. and I just kind of sat there and I was like oh is this is this what it's supposed to be like because I was essentially observing their relationship firsthand and I was like is this what it's supposed to be like he was like someone who encourages you and like pushes you and is there for you and because again like growing up I had my grandmothers and stuff, but I never really had that authoritative male figure in my life. Like I have now, I'm so lucky. I have like a cousin who's like my old brother mm-hmm. and he I know he has my back, but he's still not that dad figure. Yeah. And not having that dad figure now, I don't know if that's detrimental to me. I don't know if that's like good for me. I, I don't know. And I think only now, as in now, as in, the last six months yeah I've really kind of worked and realized that my dad's actions aren't a reflection of me and that's taken me 24 years to realize that mm-hmm. it's not a reflection of me it's not a reflection of my character at the end of the day my dad is a person who has made decisions as like is anyone else in the world like he is his own human and I can't hold that against him I can just like let him exist in his context and his situation Mm -hmm. and like yes that has implications for my mom or for my brother or for me but I can't hold on to it yeah and that's like taken me a long time to realize but um is that a real liberation I think it was a liberation in terms of actually being able to speak out about it yeah and like I said for I keep saying like I said um (laughs) because and because before I only really spoke about it with my close friends now being able to even just be a little bit more transparent like for for example my second relationship I didn't tell him about my dad until maybe a year and a half into it Mm -hmm. and now with my current boyfriend I was kind of honest and open with it off the bat Mm -hmm. and just for even just being able to you know have it's not something I'll still go out and you know parade around like oh my dad's in jail but if someone asked me I'd now have no two ways about saying it and for me like that's a big step for me even coming on this podcast is a big step and being able to like admit it is and be okay with that and be okay with it is is probably like the biggest thing for me yeah just just overcoming that shame and that taboo once I realized that I was okay with not knowing what a dad does for is supposed to do for a girl yeah like I think that was 
a big weight off my shoulders because that really sat on me because Eve which doesn't almost doesn't make sense because technically he was in my life yeah but I think that kind of like him leaving so abruptly yeah really affected me in ways that I didn't process at the time because for pretty much for like this year after that I was I just was so angry yeah and I but I didn't take out that rage I kind of like held it all internally and I because I was still trying to be present with my mom and my brother but like just had this so much anger towards him I was like you know, it was just like how could you do this like you know you've like you know the impacts this has like mm. why would you do it and and f- for that year like which is like pretty much last year I just distracted myself by traveling like yeah. I was just work. Tra- traveling and work like yeah. and luckily work and travel you know yeah so like I think I did 15 16 17 trips last year wow yeah like just really really went for you. it yeah and I just was like to the point where actually like then came November and I was physically exhausted because I couldn't and I think that's why in the last this basically year last six months because I don't have that travel distraction as much Mm. anymore I've had to really like face everything Mm. right front forward and just being like you know what I can't keep running away because I think for a long time well a long time my dad since he went away I was just avoiding the issue and like you know didn't want to speak to him didn't want to um visit him and just because I had so much anger in me and yeah. now that I've released the anger and released that kind of like unknowing and being okay with the situation I found a lot of peace yeah <laughs> still like there a lot but yeah, I'm a yeah, lot yeah. more okay with it's it beginning yeah I'm a like lot a more okay beginning. with it yeah yeah, yeah. that's amazing <clears throat> how did you get rid of that anger because I think some people listening will think, how did you do that? Mm, I th- I just didn't want to be angry anymore. Yeah. I think, but then that's like, what is it? Is anger one of the steps of grieving? I think it was like that. Like, yeah. it's one of the steps of healing. I, I just had to let go of the anger. But that's amazing. So just like a conscious mind shift. Yeah. Just trying to juggle everything. And then when like balls just started dropping and realizing, actually, I can't juggle everything. Yeah. That was... I'm sorry that I don't have any like solid plausible advice to give it was more because I had pushed myself to the point of burnout Mm -hmm. trying to distract myself yeah and had I was essentially forced to face everything yeah that I I did yeah and my final question even though there's actually so much more I want to ask um maybe I'll get you back on (laughs) but my last my last question which I ask everyone yeah is if your dad was listening to this podcast, what would you want to say to him? Um, I would want to say to him that I am not angry with him. I'm not upset with him. I understand the context in which he exists and has been brought up. And I know that it's not easy but that oh my god I'm gonna start crying (laughs) but that um regardless of everything I've still managed to make a life of myself and I managed to be someone and achieve things by myself and he should be proud of me for that I bet you he is (laughs) 
Thank you so much, Simran. You were Thank genuinely you. incredible. I've <laughs> I learned feel like so I spoke. much. <laughs> like I spoke and spoke and spoke. Oh and my spoke. god! No, no, no. It was. <laughs> oh my god! I've learned so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to my episode with the unbelievable Simran. Simran has one of the best energies I've ever come across and she's so incredibly wise, articulate and as with most if not all my podcasts I just wish we could have spoken on for hours and hours because she's just got so much more to say about her story and she's an absolute inspiration and the work that she's doing is so admirable so if you don't know what Simran does or who she is then look her up and follow her and follow her work because she's a real inspiration and I think a real voice to this generation so thank you so much and hope you enjoyed the podcast if you like daddy issues podcast I would be so grateful if you could rate review and subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify as it helps other people find us and get daddy issues to as many eyes and ears as possible You can find the links to these on www.thedaddyissuespodcast.com. A special thanks goes out to Warren at Wargie Productions, who is the master of both sound and music. Ben and Aaron at Interface, who have made my website and do all the graphic design. And thank you guys for listening. I love hearing your thoughts, so don't hesitate to get in touch. If there's anything at all that's affected or resonated with you and you'd like to get some support or follow up on anything that's been said, previous guest and psychotherapist Julia Samuel has an incredible website, www.griefworks.co.uk. Once again, thank you so much and I hope you enjoyed the episode.